0: Welcome to In Conversation With. Join me, Danny Jarvis, as I sit down with guest DJs, promoters, record labels, content makers, and anyone making moves on the underground house music scene. There's plenty of nostalgia, but there's also some key insights as to where the underground scene is today. So if you like what you hear, please hit the follow or subscribe button and leave us a review. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, at the gym, in the car, or chilled at home, relax and enjoy In Conversation With. Welcome to In Conversation With, another online one, but you're a busy man and that's what we're going to find out. So thanks for taking the time out today to have a chat. Um, we're going to do a little bit of something different this time. We're going to find out more about you from the different angle you come at for all this underground house scene. So if you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners and give us a bit of context to your background in underground house music yeah
1: so i think our our sort of story just goes back to the balcony (laughs) from from, from progress on pre the c word you know so that was uh yeah so i appreciate the invite and everything and obviously we stayed in touch ever since which has been nice um great to see your growth and development and um and i've done i've done something similar but just on sort of the production side so what am i i class myself as a Electronic music enthusiast. I like producing music, remixing, DJing, label owner. Um, four different labels I'm running now, um, and yeah, just a massive, massive passion for the scene, you know. So that's that, that's the short version. <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: that's the uh, that's the short version. That's neat and tidy, but the reality of actually doing all that is is a very different situation. So I guess. You know, like you said, we we met in in the scene on that on that day as DJs. Um, you know, we 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 got to talking afterwards. It was nice to meet you and sort of be part of that little buzz that was going on. But since then, you've been a really busy man, and like you said, we've we've kept in touch, which has afforded me the ability to sort of dip in and dip out and see your progress look at things you're doing with the label but I guess for people who are sat listening to this and have listened to some of the other podcasts we've done you know in the past we've talked a lot about how people have got into this scene we've talked a lot about you know the early days um if they're a certain age like us guys they probably were in it since the (laughs) beginning but to take things that step further from DJing which you have into starting your own record label, I guess the immediate question is you know what inspired you to start a record label and, and what have been the biggest challenges in that beginning period?
1: Yeah, okay I, well I'll, I'll start from the from the beginning and just go from there so sim- similar to some of your the guests Danny and um, that you listened to, so my uh, my passion for the electronic music scene was was clubbing you know late late nineties. 1997, 1998. Um, it was one. It was just a friend. It was just a friend of mine that turned out I wasn't in, really into electronic music. I was more of a Oasis and Guns and Roses and Nirvana type of guy <laughs> when I was growing up. And uh, so, and uh, one of my one of my pals just turned around, and just said, that "For it was for his 18th birthday, but I was 17 at the time." And he goes, "Listen, I've heard there's a, a really good nightclub in Middlesbrough, because um, I'm just down the road from." yourself at Newcastle uh, in, in County Durham and uh, he just said do you, fancy, do you fancy all going and getting a minibus and we'll take the whole tribe there and it's supposed to be a really good night and so we went there and um, that was when Jeremy Healy was the resident there. Wow. But, uh, he was there week in week out and um, it was Danny Rampling it was the first time. But well, I, I didn't know any of these the DJ names or anything like that it was just and that's when house music was like was proper house music you know it was was still very much underground then but you walked in and you know two and a half thousand people in there just all having a great time um and similar to what you've mentioned before and when we've had a chat before it was that in well you just everyone on the dance floor was just there to have a good time Um, and the atmosphere was buzzing you know it was it was proper old school with sweat dripping off the walls and you know, um, everyone people go, everyone, every, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, everyone was, everyone was going, And I was on the, I remember being on the dance floor and, and um, just people around you just going, you're all right, you're having a good time. And, oh, the music's great, isn't it? And I'm just going, this is great. I'm used to going downtown and seeing fights left, right, and centre and, you know, everything kicking off and people getting too drunk. And, and then coming to that sort of atmosphere, I remember walking out just going, wasn't everyone dead friendly in there? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. What a really good night that was. And uh so we just said, right, we'll go back and um so that and that, that was the that was the start of it from there as soon as, as soon as you get back and get the bug and um you did I didn't realise it at the time you look around and everybody's, you know, intoxicated with not alcohol. <laughs> so just, yeah. Uh, was yeah, just yeah very much part of it then and um and then it clicks from there. But that that was it. You were just you were going down week in, week out and um seeing the likes of the so it was like jeremy healy was warming up for all of these djs but you see in judge jules Pete Tong, nick warren dave seaman uh or you know all of the all of the guys from back in the day the sashes the digweeds sander kleinenbergs etc and it just it was they had, they had the uh the dj box was like up on because it was a converted theater so it was like in the sort of vip box up at the top so it was just like everyone, everyone was just looking up to the DJ, if you know what I mean, like yeah. the Messiah. Yeah. If <laughs> it's
0: uh... Jeremy Healy certainly acted a bit of yeah, oh. oh definitely yeah, <laughs> it was, a, it was yeah. Just, like definitely. part of his thing, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely. The the um the interesting thing about um Middlesbrough, um certainly in terms of like tapes that went around was the Sugar Shack tapes. That's it. Yeah. Traveled the country because. His his tapes in particular mixing Michael Jackson in and doing all this like crazy stuff like bits of Mama Say Mama Say Mama Papa out you know like just yeah. ramming things in really did ignite the passion because he was a busy DJ at the time and you know it's easy to sort of throw away Jeremy Healy's contribution to to the music because had he not been a, quite a flamboyant performer and so busy you know. I doubt that it would have travelled the country um, in the same way. You know, there was a lot of stuff at the time where you went to nights and, and naughty promoters put his name on flyers. And because he was everywhere, there was an element of not knowing whether he was going to turn up. So there was even <laughs> a buzz around going to a night and him just turning up, oh, yeah. which defies logic nowadays um, <laughs> yeah. in, in terms of like how things are run. So you know in a way um Gav you were kind of at quite a pivotal point like a few of us to to really embrace like you say the changing culture but also a kind of country getting swept up in a new style of music and a new type of night out I think I think it is important to to mention that you very much found what I found which was going and being in a room full of people that you were aware were on drugs was by no means as oppressive as being in a tough northern town full of people drinking and getting really rowdy and you know when you come home after a night out and all you've got is stories of people that you've been chatting communicating with and the music yeah and having a great time it was pretty hard not to be quote-unquote intoxicated by that
1: scene oh it was it was crazy it was it was really really good. It was just the atmosphere. Every every everybody was there just to have a good time. And yeah. you had people from you know finance scene. You had people from the banking scene. You had people from the yeah. were just working down the steelworks down the road and and but everybody came to get. It was it was it was re, it was, it was quite a magical time to be perfectly honest. That's what I thought. I'm very very lucky because I think that's that's well behind us. That sort of um. Scene and, and environment now, but that that was it. But as soon as it literally it was literally, you were you were looking and just going, I want to do, I want to do that, I want to be in that box, and I want to go and do that. Um, and you were going back to after parties and you were playing on some decks and stuff like that, but didn't have a clue what I was doing, same as everybody else. You couldn't mix, couldn't mix two things, two two decks, couldn't couldn't mix two records together. And then as soon as I turned eighteen, that was it. I got myself a loan, some twelve tens. And a vast and a vast tech PMC seventeen air mixer chrome edition, nice. three three channel thing. So and that was um and that was it. Boy, took it. You'll you'll know this from your uh, time and um sim- similar to most people, I think. Because my back my early early background, um, I used to play the violin when I was younger. So grade I was grade three of the uh, the British Institute of Music, um, a violinist. So I knew about music, um, and it took, and I remember clear, clear as day. I had the decks there, and I just couldn't, um, could couldn't beat match two record. It just, and every time you were getting it into beat, it was all, it was all out of sync with the bars. It didn't sound right. It didn't flow like the DJs in the club. It didn't feel the same. It didn't sound the same. And I rem, I, I remember it clear as day. I literally just went to sleep one day, and I just woke up and went, it's music. It's four bars to a beat how many how many bars are between every single break and every single record I was putting on it was eight sixteens thirty twos eight sixteens thirty two and I was like I gone it's music it's it's like pro- proper music and that was it it's it's, it's weird you
0: saying that because uh, you know I remember Uh, particularly from from my early age i was forced to play the violin simply because my brother had been bought it you know they they brought my brother this big violin and it was like right you're old enough because it was it was massive i was a very small little kid it was a massive violin right you're playing the violin sent to school like strangled this thing came home drove everybody wild Um, And the point I'm getting to is that despite sort of learning or trying to learn music, I'm really not capable of playing the piano. Actually, that's not true. I can hear something and rehearse it, but I certainly can't learn music. But you're right. The simple tapping of your foot to the beats was something that made sense to me and same as you it's not it's not a skill you pick up very quickly because it is and a lot of people don't really think of it like this it is a mixture of hand and eye and ear coordination so it's not just like oh I can hear music therefore I'm going to mix it there is (laughs) there is an element of which getting getting it to a certain thing finding out the tools how to use the gain when to bring bass in so there's so it's interesting you saying that because I I think a lot of people probably if they're more honest do have that difficulty in in the day as well it was more um it was more an analog process wasn't it okay. making records so they weren't particularly that easy to to mix they weren't always in time everything but, was done by ear yeah, they, they 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 were not designed as they are today, with thirty-two stretches of 64, 32 beats to actually get you going. Mm-hmm. It was like it started if you touched the plate, the the melody went out. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a dirty business. It really well, was. I still
1: remember. I still remember the when you just touching the side the side of the plate with the bubbles. Yeah. You know that feel that feeling of it just going sh- round your finger and yeah, you can't can't get a... don't get me wrong cdjs and technology how it's moved on has been phenomenal but you still can't i think there's just something very very special about doing it that way um learning how to do it that way and 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 the feel of it the feel of the vinyl so i I held on i held on to the vinyl
0: um way of life till about 2004 in about no, in about 2003, I would say in about 2003, I started to adopt using the CDJs for certain tracks, vinyl mainly because I had a good record collection, and would use the CDJs for sound effects, DJ tools, yeah, little voiceovers and things. and yeah, but I didn't, I didn't really jump ship completely. So when when did you jump the ship and go
1: right? The the decks are going to get put away. I think it's time to the embrace when the kids were born so when I, when I start, started going out and doing a lot of because back then there was a, quite a lot of DJ competitions going on local bars student union bars and stuff like that so it seemed like around Middlesbrough, Stockton, and there was DJ competitions on every few weeks Um, and then when I thought I was good enough I started putting myself forward um to it and there was a guy called Tom that used to own a record shop in uh, stockton on Tees. it was his own independent record shop. And he was running one of the competitions and I remember him just coming round and going. And that's when I started off doing trance, doing a lot of trance. And then it, it was when Progressive House started coming through, started coming through and I just went, that's what I'm going to do. I like the sound. It's a bit slower. I like the groove. Mm it makes me it gives me a better feeling there was a lot more sort of melody and a lot more feeling to the progressive house music so I went from trance literally within 18 months and I was progressive house and doing that and I remember him stood behind me in the DJ competition he just went I I have no idea how you produced that sound I've just watched you and I just don't know how you've done it um, and he sort of just and he just took me under his wing from there and just went right. I'm doing a night here. Do you, do you want to play this? And I'm doing a night at the Purple Onion in the basement. Do you want to come and do this? And um, I got to know him really well. So it was like the White Labels. I used to be able to do do the feedback and and all that. and I was I was doing quite a lot around the sort of local scene. Um, DJing got down to Leeds a couple of times. Got to Glasgow a few times. Um, doing there and and re, re, just really really enjoying it. Hardly got paid, you know. But yeah, it was just it was just going and getting in amongst it. And I remember going down the down the local the my local town in Darlington, and there was me and literally twelve or thirteen of me mates on Tuesday night, and we knew that no, nothing was on, and we used to just walk into the bar and just go, Have you got a DJ on tonight? And they go, No. And I go, there's me and twelve of my mates all here. If you put me on the decks, we'll stay in here and drinking here all night. And they used to just go, go on then. We're like, right, okay. And away we went. And I was playing regular on a Thursday night in the town after that. And yeah, it was it was really, really enjoyed it, mate. And then um when the when the young one came along, um I'll go, I'll go back a little bit further from there. So where the production bit started from was i used to have a night um at a um a place called blackett's in darlington and it was it was like a renowned sort of house music place um and we started promoting our own night there there was me and two other lads uh on a thursday night um and that was going really well and it was one of the bouncers and he turned around and just went you've got a you've got a bit of a talent for this he goes have you ever thought about producing music before and i went I have no idea how to do that, and he just goes, "Listen, come with me. I'm a, I'll take you down to a the studio, a proper studio. I'll meet you up with a couple of these guys, house music guys, and just see how you get on." So I said, "All right then." So it was like literally a crate full of vinyl, li- literally on a carry on a carry case, straight onto the train, straight into Sheffield. Walked in there, went up the went up these stairs, and it was just like in a it was like a townhouse. You went up these stairs, up these stairs, and then just opened up this uh, opened up this door in this big studio. And I mean, it was like you're talking what 2002, 2003. So everything was analog back then. Big, massive mixing desks, 64 channels, all that type of stuff. Compressors and all of the bits were all on racks, all analog gear. And I remember he had a big Renaissance painting behind the mixing desk. You know, like the Renaissance covers. Like the Mary Jesus and stuff, and it was like that behind it, and I was like, going oh, this is this is this is class." I didn't know who it was at the time because he just introduced himself as Dino. So it was like, "Oh, Dino, and this is what? What do you want to do, lads? And well, this is how we'll do it. We'll sample this bit, we'll sample that bit, we'll sample a kick off this, we'll sample a hat off this one, and because we were just putting records on, and he went, "We'll take a bit of this and take a bit of that, manipulate it, and then we'll start to build a build a track, however you want it to sound." I didn't know until afterwards about two years later it was d ramirez wow <laughs> wow so we had, had like three or four sessions with dean ramirez and i didn't even know it was him <laughs> <laughs> from the lisa marie experience until because he's very very humble guy you know never never blew his trumpet never um never give it the big end. very very humble guy just went oh yeah i've been up to the neck of the woods i've dj'd here and i've dj'd there but nothing he didn't like give it the big one, but downstairs from his studio was there uh, the headquarters for Choo Choo Records. Mate, this is this is this is story gold.
0: <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I love about this series that I'm trying to do is that it's very easy to get caught up with the upper echelons of of the scene we're in. You know, it's easy to go, oh, you know, I'm going to interview big DJs. I'm going to interview the biggest. P-. You know, they do. They have a platform and they have a voice. But it's stories like this that I love because there's weird things happen to you at certain points in the scene. And it's interesting hearing you because when you take when you take the approach that you're going to DJ and you think you've got a talent, like you said, you think you've got a talent or you've got a good record collection. I did a similar thing to you. I touted myself when I first moved to Cheltenham because I'd dried, I, I'd moved to Cheltenham and I knew people there already. And the advantage of knowing people there already was that one of my DJ friends that I'd met at, at uni, he had a few things going on and I wanted my own stuff. And I did what you did. I went to a bar on a Thursday night and said, right, I know that I could get 50 people in, in this bar because we're all going to go to this club. If I get 50 people here three weeks in a row, what do you think about paying me? And he went, yeah, and I did. And I knew those people were going there anyway because they yeah. were all the people that were going on to the next club that I was already DJing in. <laughs> yeah, you're
1: already in with. yeah. So
0: it was, a war- <laughs> it was a warm up for me in a hop. And it also gave me opportunity, like you said, to practice in an environment that wasn't as um, full on as as the club. Yeah. But this uh, this idea of networking is really interesting because... At the club then that I played at, the DJ, the, um, sorry, the guy that ran the club, that was the manager of the club, the Fez club in Cheltenham, was a guy called Lee Dean, whose one of his best friends was Tony DeVee. Oh, right. <laughs> and, yeah. And that, yeah. The weirdest part of all of this sort of stuff that goes on is that it wasn't a year later that we then met all the Fantasia guys because all the Fantasia guys had a unit in cheltenham where they <laughs> produced all the cds and all of the all of the house mixes oh, my mind blown so it's, back then it what you had to sort of take these leaps of faith and somebody would say do you want to come to such and such a meat thingy and like you said they would give you a name and you wouldn't say anything you wouldn't you wouldn't really question it you'd just no. get in the car you'd turn up and they'd say oh this is such and such oh yeah these are the guys that's all the fantasia
1: raves and i was like what <laughs> like, I was it yeah, it was unbelievable. I, it was literally I was upstairs and I had that in my box. I had two three two two records in my box and then went downstairs and he just went these are the guys here and they were talking market, about marketing the next release and what they were gonna do, where they were gonna distribute it and all. Oh, how are you doing? You're all right and uh, I've still got the card kicking about somewhere of the, the guy it's... who was there. It was, uh, it was just an un- unbelievable experience. We had like to had like two or three sessions doing that. We got a track out at the end of it. It wasn't the best track in the world but it was just a club track um never released it never did anything with it and that was that was it so that sort of like got me the bug and then i was trying to on an old pc i was trying to get a you know a version of the fruity loops or something like that version 1.1 back in the day <laughs> like, like fucking a million years ago and uh, and just trying to create loops so like um it was just all you were doing was just recording i was recording off my decks into into a cd recorder and then putting the cd into audacity and then taking it out of audacity and putting it in the fruity loops and yeah it, it wasn't like proper proper producing but that's that that's sort of like where
0: where i got it from this point in time is about what two, you said about 2002 and three oh yeah 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 so my only flirtation ever with producing music um when i finished my degree i went back to Cheltenham as as an older student and how I ended up in the Northeast is because my best friend um, at the time that I'd gone to school with, he lit, he went to university in Newcastle. That's how i how I knew it. I, I either had the opportunity to go to Cheltenham and go back to university or lose my mind with all my mate and his mates at Newcastle. I chose the sensible option and went to Cheltenham. When I came up to Newcastle and we moved into a house that wasn't like a y- student house, we had a little spare room, tip, typical box room. And we set up my computer, I had quite a powerful computer because I'd started making digital mixes using Acid Pro and a Acid few Pro. Yeah, 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 Acid so Pro. I would, yeah. I would get my vinyl, I would either put my vinyl on to Acid Pro and then beatmap all the tracks, get all that sort of stuff. And then I would create what is essentially a hybrid of a mix and a digital mix. So some of the yeah. records I would mix, some of them I'd digitally mix. And when I mo- when I moved to Newcastle, because I was leaving Cheltenham where I had a sort of stronghold of DJing experience and I was leaving all the promoters that were doing stuff down there, there was an opportunity or or there was either the opportunity to try and get going again in Newcastle, but the primary thing was actually trying to get a job. I'd done a film and media degree and really wanted to get into TV. We had this box room and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I haven't really got the time, there's no space, the houses were tiny, I can't really set up my decks. I'm gonna have a go at, at producing records. So um I got reason, I got reason. Cubans, yeah. set them all up, and would spend hours creating these acidy noises. Going, there's two minutes for tune right next. There's two minutes for tune next. There's two <laughs> minutes for tune next. I ended up having like thousands of these like bits, but and this is why I've asked this question if you can remember around that time there was a terrible virus computer virus called the blaster worm and trojan horse the trojan horse i remember that and it came right? in and it destroyed yeah. <laughs> literally Everything. destroyed my computer and i was like right
1: I oh, can- when, when they were dead back then oh, they were dead dead back then yeah
0: yeah yeah they were dead yeah it was like smoke coming out like <laughs> throw, it, throw it on the tip it's 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 done, <laughs> it's done. You, know, you you didn't have a fella who sort of knew what he was doing you'd built this thing it was quite it was, it was, like you said. it was very analog and hardwarey back then it was like clunk clunk put hard drives yeah. in get some software cracked software <laughs> so so i instantly gave up i instantly went i can't be arsed with that and as it happens i, I couldn't find a job so there was about 12 of us that DJ'd that used to get together at our mate's house on a Friday and all have massive weekend sessions DJing. Yeah. So I got back into DJing. Now, at this point, right, you have had this really good taste from these guys. Like you said, Choo Choo Records, I had loads of their stuff. D. De-Rami- Ramirez's mixes were fantastic. You must have then been pretty keen to go right I think I can do this. So yeah. how did you then go and
1: set up your shop? Back then, you couldn't just download software and create mute. You just couldn't. That, that that just wasn't even. I think that was like a twinkle in the Internet's eye back then. So you were going down and you were renting the studio for the day. Dee Ramirez was basically the sound engineer, but you were still paying him for the day. So like a session down in the studio would cost you 200, 300 quid a day. Um, you know, for maybe a five or six hour session. So you can imagine that, that 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 that's the main difference between sort of now and now and back then you can do it from a laptop and some software and a few synths or whatever, a few plugins. Back then you to go and produce a record, you maybe have to go and do five or six sessions with a proper sound engineer that would maybe cost you fifteen hundred quid that you'd have to invest before you even had any sort of finished record or finished product. Um that's even before you sent the demos to the labels and and there was obviously a lot less labels back then. Um Bedrock had just started back then and um but yeah there was there was there wasn't very many labels back then like there is today. There's a lot lot lots of different labels today. But yeah I would started getting into it then um and then my and my young one was born um, and that was it. I had to hang up the headphones it was sort of I had a career as and well make-up. yeah and it was just it was one or the other you, you you couldn't go out and DJ on a Thursday or Friday night and then go out with the lot la- you know and have a session when you were supposed to be a dad and my career I started getting I started getting some advancement in my career as well and it was just like you can be a dad or you can be a DJ but you just definitely can't do both um so that was it. I just hung up my headphones, sold my decks, sold all my records. We needed the money as well when the young one was born. So what so age, was, was age were you at this point? So that would have been, I would have been 23. Yeah. So that would have been like 2004, 2005. And that was it. Just just went, that's not for me. I, I, I need to just concentrate on being a family man, you know, and putting it, putting it all in there and that was it. <laughs> so I took a, took a break for a while. My daughter came along a couple of years later, full career man. But I was still listening to Andrew and The Beats podcast, and I was still listening to Pete Tong on the radio, and you were still listening to you know Creamfields when it was live, and all of those type of things. You know, you, I think mean, once it gets in you, you, you just can't get it out yet. Um so you kept sort of kept my finger on the pulse with the, with how the music was progressing because it went from house when I started, trance was massive. That's when it all blew up. Frog came after that. And that was good for a bit. And that was your Sasha, your Digweeds, your Warrens, your Siemens, uh, your, your Anthony Papas, etc., Global Underground, all of that sort of that was the back right at the back end of when it went. Um so thank thankfully I got out um I, I stopped doing it all just before it started getting mega commercial. Your Martin Garrick's and EDM and all this nonsense. And I'm glad I did, to be fair, because the a, the, there was definitely a balance, even, you, I mean, you'll know this, you know, your Derude Sandstorms. I remember going down to gay Crasher Summer Sound System and every DJ played DeRoot Sandstorm, uh, the, dub, the dub mix, the proper club mix. But then literally about three or four months after that, I heard it in the chats and it was on top of the Pops. We just going, hang on, this isn't, I was just dancing to this. In a in a in a tent in the middle of the field with loads of different clubbers, and now it's on top of the pops. What's going on here? And obviously that continued on afterwards. um It, it became very very commercial. Couldn't be made, so which um you don't blame anyone for doing it. um I know there's a the, 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 there's that debate, isn't there? Sort of within the scene, is it? Is it commercial? Is it underground? Is it this? Is it that? But. I was having to think about this. It was actually while I was uh, listening to one of your previous guests and I was having to think about this um, in depth. And I was just going, I produce music that I think is underground. That gets played in an underground club. It's not a commercial club. It's it, it's a proper club, isn't it? That's, that's where my music would get played. But if someone came knocking on the door and went, Hi, Gav, I think you've got something here. Why, I'm going to go and invest a lot of money In the marketing I'm going to put you on the biggest stages in the world I'm going to put you in front of millions of people I'm going to get you on the radio I'm going to do the, I, I wouldn't be turning around and going Nah it's not for me that thanks You want your music to be heard To as many people as you can yeah. um, So there's the, Like I said the, the, I don't think there is a, there's an actual debate there Because I think if you actually Truly ask any artist if somebody came and knocked on your door tomorrow, would you say no? The answer to that is no.
0: Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, Gav, because if I go in the garage and DJ for an hour or two hours, I can have a great time. I can I can get high off the music myself. I can practice my mixes. I can, you know, feel that feeling that you get when you're DJing and you're in flow and everything's just working Or you can press record and if you press record you're then recording it because the idea is that you want somebody else to listen to it Mm -hmm. or you want to listen to it back. If you're confident enough and you think you've got a skill and you are tech savvy you'll upload it to SoundCloud or you'll load it to somebody or you'll give it to somebody. In the old days I had a distribution list of people I would send CDs to. Like seriously I would send CDs to. So the reason that you want to do it is you want other people to hear it so if you're then by definition if you're then making the actual tune you want as many people to hear it as possible and this is the crux of all of it is that there is on one level music that can be enjoyed on a personal level on your own whatever it is your tastes are you know and you can be totally at one with that music. There is the enjoy music with other people, which involves either you know singing or dancing, et cetera. If you look at all music and and sort of take it back to maybe man's early musical um, experiences, it would be either blowing through leaves in the jungle, leaf blowing yep. music it's a thing drums yeah rhythms and it is about people engaging in the expression of joy that is no longer words yeah so you 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 can't by very definition create music and and never have it heard yeah because because you know you've already heard music so you've already got things in your head you're already influenced you're already doing stuff you're aware of the fact that now we have a system where if the record's good enough and somebody says it is they offer you a record contract Mm -hmm. you know you there were forking out money to go and make records so here's the key question i think listeners would want to hear at some point you've decided gav right i'm gonna make music so what what was it you were doing because if you asked me what sort of a tune would I make, I would want to make something that would make people dance. They wouldn't be able to help themselves.
1: <laughs> that yeah. is what I would want them to do. When I started, so when the when when the young ones came along, headphones, da, da, da So this sort of like brings us round full circle to to a little bit closer to to to, to today. Um, they they got older. Start getting into teenage years, they don't want to play with dad anymore. You know, I can't even get on the PlayStation anymore with him. You know what I mean? It's like, get off, dad. You just, you you shy at this game, excuse my language. And then, and the, um, we don't want to play with you anymore. So I was just like stuck with loads of time in my hand. My career had gone really good. So my work life balance was a lot better. And I was just like, I'm going to get back into my music again. I've got the time. I'm financially better in position than what I was 12 years ago. Um, let's go and find out. So I started reaching out to um, a few old pals that I'd still knew on Facebook and stuff like that. And I'm just going, where's a good studio that I can go and hire? And can you recommend me some good sound engineers in the Northeast? And one of my pals came back to us and just went, Glad you're getting back into the music. I really, uh, really hope it goes well for you. Have you got a laptop? I said, Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a MacBook Pro. And he goes, Right, I'm going to send you a link. Download this, and this is all you're going to need and a good pair of headphones. And I went, You know, when you sort of just go, Right, okay, well, press on the link. Logic Pro, you know, Logic Pro on the Mac, okay, it's a couple hundred quid. So you just go, all right, A couple hundred quid, yeah, I've got a bit of that, download that. And everything that like my mind completely exploded. Everything that was in that studio in Sheffield, your 64-channel mixer, all your compressors, all your hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of analogue gear was in front of me on a little screen on my laptop, and it sounded really good. (laughs) And I was just going, wow, this is how far the technology has moved moved on in 12 years. It's an interesting
0: one, this, Gav, and this is why I, I I was looking forward to talking to you about it. I... I could obviously, and I am doing by definition of these podcasts, I love talking about this music. And there's different levels at which you can talk to people about this music based on their experience and what they're doing in the scene, right? Now, for me, I think a key question that I'd like to answer, and I definitely think listeners would, right? There's a level at which when you've been doing what you've done, going to studios, investing money, taking your time, you can't really say you're not serious about it because you've put your money where your mouth is. Now, when, when you get something like this, and we talk about something like this as two DJs and people that know each other, it's far too easy to gloss over some of the things that are glaringly obvious to other people. You must have a skill of knowing what you're doing now, that either comes because you are an absolute crammer and you go on and you Google or, like you said at the very beginning, you sort of get music. So are you, and this is the question, are you a person that takes easily to learn what to do and therefore can make music? Or are you somebody that goes, the desire to make music is so strong, I'm going to learn how to do this?
1: Yeah, B. B. Yeah. Yeah. It. it, it. Like I say, it was mind-blowing. It was like a mind blown revelation part when it was all on in the box. That, that's what they call it. It's all produce it in the box. And I was just going, this is great. So I got I a pair of headphones and I started doing it. But it was shit. <laughs> yeah. It was absolute crap. You know, don't get me wrong. I knew how to s- sequence some drums, hi-hats, etc. cetera, put a melody together. And th- it was... I, start, I, I started putting it together And I was going Right okay I think I've, I've produced A-track What do I do now Well back in the old days you'd just get a videotape and you send it out to all the record labels You can do that via email now Or you can do it via Facebook Messenger now or whatever you can reach out to people A lot easier uh, in today you know With today's technology Than what you used to do when you used to write a hand Written letter to them <laughs> Yeah. And send it off and then yeah. and hopefully with a return address, and hopefully they'll write back to you. Uh, but it's, it's just um so it's a lot easier, a lot easier to reach out to to record label owners and stuff like. That. And I just went, but I was talking, I was talking to a producer friend, literally at the turn of the year about this, and he just went, "What? Why did you even start doing this? Why did he even start?" And I just went, "Do you know what? I haven't thought about that for a while because it's been about four years since I restarted it up again." for a while and fundamentally all i wanted to do was produce 15 tracks that i could play out in the club that was it but it, instead of it being someone else's music it'd be mine okay that would make people dance and, and whatever and i could just mix it on you know now seeing djs but i could go on to take 15 of my tracks on an mp3 and go have them do an hour and a half set here and it's my music instead of being someone else's that that was the only reason I was doing it for so um I started off into you records um researched how to do like a digital record label and you had to find a distributor that would accept that would actually accept you to distribute music on their uh, their platform get your track on Beatport, get your track on apple where you, you used to be apple what's what is apple music now but iTunes and um track source and Juno and the download download places so I found one I uh, found a distributor that was um set up for like new record labels coming into the scene that would that would accept it um and that was it I produced my first track my first proper track was uh, February 2019 um and that was uh, under another artist name called sir gawain it's just the all it is just the old name for gavin <laughs> that's all it was but i started off as another name because i'm not sure where, this is the up to it wasn't i knew it wasn't up to standard but it was just to try and get into the create a track get it released get it on beat pop um, yeah. get get it get 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 it out there um so yeah that was the first ever release w- was there and i'll listen back to it, it sounds alright. all right, all right. It doesn't sound. It's not like amazing. It's not an amazing piece of work, but it's a decent club track, and that, that's where it started off from. So I released the first one, um, joined a lot of social media groups, progressive house groups, etc. So when the first one was actually released, and I did it myself, I was putting it out to the like the Facebook groups and stuff, and I was just going, "This is my first release. It's my record label. Can you have a listen? Love some feedback, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And um, it was really weird how it happened because that, that record label was just going to be for my tracks. So instead of me sending it out to 50 record labels and then waiting for one response, hopefully somebody would magically sign somebody with no past record, no following, no social media presence. <laughs> and it'd give you a chance. I just went, no, I'll just do it myself. That that That's fundamentally where it came from. It was sp- supposed to be so... When I produce music, I could release it myself without any of this nonsense that goes on with acceptance and rejection and and all of the 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 positive and negative sides of, of sending demos out to labels. And they put put the first one out there. And um guy from down in Birmingham, uh Craig Twisty came back to us at uh, Inertia Sound. Literally just dropped us a quick note on Facebook and just went, I've listened to this. Uh, frequency it was called frequencies so I'd listen to this frequencies it's all right this what what's your background Where where have you come from who's this into you records what's it what's this all about so i just went listen this is just a small thing i've only just started it off it's just for me da, 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 da and we just got talking um built up a bit of a relationship which which was nice talk spoke on the phone a couple of times because he'd he'd already released on bolton connection um droid nine you know all of the labels that i was that i was buying music off he'd released on so i'm going wow this guy this guy's a proper producer i'm gonna just try and learn from him and, and get some advice and and all that type of stuff because i was just starting out and he just went you know what i'll do an ep for you be a record label and i just went no no you don't need to mate i'm not ready for that and um it, it, i've got no following i can't really market it, I don't really know how to do it. And he goes, Don't worry about it. I'll get a couple of remixes and, and I'll I'll produce an EP for you. All packaged up, ready to go. So he produced them, got two remixes, got all the masters done for me, sent it back and just went there, there's a three track EP for you. Just go and release it on your interview you records and I hope it helps. Wow. And that was it.
0: Isn't it isn't it funny, Gav, like there is there are no two ways about it even if you're super talented and you you know have got a gift and a skill the very essence of this industry or any any type of thing is that somebody gives you a hand up somebody out there is selfless and goes here you go here's 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 this and that for me personally that's the very spirit of what a lot of this should be like it is the same as somebody walking in a club who's gone on their own, and within ten or fifteen minutes, there's a load of nice people going. Are you all right? Are you okay? How's things? Do you want? I'm going to the bot, Would you like a drink? Isn't this music good? That ethos of the scene is really important, yeah. and that's a really heartwarming story because you know, similar to, I guess, a lot of people, when you think of a record label or when you think of all the things that you need to do now. The mind just boggles as to what actually goes on. The mind is like, God. But it's really interesting. And this is something that when I spoke to Richard Trout, I was quite kind of interested in. There's still, it it takes guts to do what you're doing. Because feeling your way around in the dark is one thing. But knowing there is light behind the door somewhere is about hope. And it's about having a goal. And sometimes you don't always know what your goal is, but because you're passionate, it's sort of guiding you, you know, the universe, or whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden like that, somebody hands, it, hands you
1: something that takes it forward. That was great. I mean, he, in, he introduced his master engineer was Manu Riga. Yes, Ma- great tracks. Just go and look up. If anyone hasn't heard of that guy before, just go and you can have YouTube, Beatport, Spotify And you listen to that guy's music It is phenomenal Yeah, phenomenal producer Um, Does all of the mastering for like the likes of Ste Yorkey and, and stuff. He, he's the mastering engineer for all of those guys Top, top quality guy So he's going, oh, go and speak to Manu And Manu will give you some tips So I know, suddenly I know Manu And you just go, wow, this guy's like So it was just, it was it, but, but phenomenal And from there it was just as soon as we released that Inertia Sound EP, suddenly I'm getting demos in from all over the place. People reaching out to us and just going, "Can you have a listen to this for your record label?" And I'm going, "Who are you? Oh, wait, you're Argentina, Germany, Brazil, India." I'm going, "This is this is absolute Sri Lanka. This is absolute madness. This." So, and so- honestly, it just, it just, it just, it went, it went from nothing to something very, very quickly. So can no. I ask to
0: you? It's interesting this because I guess at, at the time I met you, this was just really kicking off, it was, wasn't it? Literally. So when I approached you and said, "Oh, could could I do this for you?" I didn't. I I didn't do it in a way that was like, "Oh, Gav is going to get me up the ladder." I literally was probably in the same spirit, going, "Oh." I quite fancy mixing some of these <laughs> records because they're really good. But not really realising, you know, what you were doing behind the scenes and what your journey was. Because the music that certainly you produce, the, the label produces, which we guess we can call quite firmly sort of progressive sound, is is not a very, very popular sound in the UK at this point. But it is a a sound that's deep in tradition of people that are quite serious about the music. I don't think anybody decides to make progressive music who isn't serious about it, because they could, like you've just said, make a banger. Make make this melodic techno crap that's got the same sound in every single record that you hear. That is, you know, and, and maybe I'm putting my neck out a bit here. Some of the DJs that are popular now, are only playing a sound which you could have likened back to Head Candy when that was popular. Oh yeah. they are likened back to a popular sound at a time that has its place in the sun and then fades. Whereas
1: Progressive is just constantly under the radar the whole this, time. This will, this will, this will. You'll definitely know this one from from back in the day. So I was on it. I was listening to a yeah Denox um, set because I, I I know Christian fairly well. Oh wow. <laughs> so, over the years, it's just touching and bass and oh, yeah, I heard this track and thanks for the feedback on this one. And, um, and anyway, so over the years, I got to know him a little bit better. And during COVID, I was speaking to him while he was on a beach in Brazil and he was telling us about the obviously there was no gigs and, and yeah, but yeah, so that so I was, he, he invited, he said, Oh, come and have a listen. Um, I'm on the live chat on YouTube, it, it's my set from last weekend at a festival great great it was a great set i said oh yeah yeah i'll go and go and have a listen to that and i'm on the chat and i christian you're like, yeah yeah okay there go. and but there was loads of people on this chat loads of fans of, of Dinox. and there were it was just this uh youtube premiere with the, with the with the chat on it and somebody comes across and goes what's the synth of this track and it was a it was a mashup from Andy Ling fixation back in 1998. Wow, but the huge tune, huge yeah. tune's record, and somebody's just done a re- reverb version of it. And Dinox was playing it in the set, and he wanted. He, he just went, "How on earth did you even know <laughs> that was Andy Ling fixation?" Like the dun 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 yeah. dun 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 dun, and I just went, "I remembered it. Yeah, I had it, and I hammered it to death." So, you'd, like so just when it's in your blood and you hear something that sticks with, it's like, how on earth did he even know that back from 1998, we're well now in 2023?
0: I had, a, I had a great conversation today with a colleague at work who um, has just started listening to these podcasts and listened to a couple of mixes we'd done for the Early Doors Club, the promo mixes. And she was asking me questions about how do you how do you think of this music how do you decide what you're going to play and what you're going to put together and how does it work and you know it's quite a complex question in in a way but what you've just said there is is exactly the thing that in your head you either have this or you don't you are already mixing records in your head When you hear things in a club or you hear records, you're hearing other, you're hearing echoes and voices of other music. Yeah. (laughs) And I can I said to her, well, one of the things that's my method is I already have an idea of a theme and a concept in my head of what I'm going to make the mix sound like. So therefore, when I then go and listen to records, I can hear three seconds of record and go, no, 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 no. I can I can hear three seconds and go, yes, what's this? I need to listen to more. Now, that, that will make sense to DJs. It might not make sense to everyday people who need to listen to a quarter of the song to decide whether they like it. But that picking up of a synth or a beat or the roundness of the drum or the kick or where the bass starts, how the hi-hat yeah. works the rhythm is it is it a samba is it a bossa nova what sort of rhythm is it these are like micro fragments that your
1: brain hears very quickly very very instantly that's only an experience thing that over time that that, that, i used to be able to do that when you used to go into the record shop back in the day so you go into the record shop and i'd say right tom give us all the prog out releases give us all of the trance releases let's have a little rattle through them all It used to be a sit there with the needle and just go, bing, 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 bing. That's for me. I'll have that. And and there were literally like 10 second little snippets. You just skip along the record and you know and just go, yeah, I'll have that. Then you go to another one and go, nah, that's not for me. But I think over time, um, I was speaking to someone about this as well recently. um, And they just said, how do you select? Because I get tons of promos from loads of different genres of music. Uh, well, this this was actually a question um, that I'd got for you that, that I'd thought about um,
0: is w- when when you have an overall sound, let's call it an umbrella sound, let's say the umbrella sound is um, progressive. Within progressive, you've either got the chunky, tribally type, lots of drums, lots of yes. rhythms... Or you've got the spacey sound. Droid 9 has a lot of spacey sounds. Yeah. One of the reasons I like that record label so much, one of the reasons I like your record label is you've got that spacey sound of prog, that kind of sci fi element. What, what are you looking for then when you're getting sent samples? Because the whole point is you're looking for something different, right? You don't yeah. go, oh, that sounds exactly like that, so I'll sign it. What are you, what are you looking <laughs> for then that you go, right, this is in my umbrella
1: and it's in my category but it's different ultimate rule that this is what i've like l- l- since i've been getting back into it and then I, I get sent more and more promos as as time's gone on because people want feedback and you know how do you rate it and will you play it will you support it etc cetera, etc cetera. which is which is which is great because you get to hear a massive broad spectrum of electronic dance music because i get sent house i get sent drum and bass i get sent breaks I get sent trance. I get centhard. That's what 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 we would class as hard house, or more techno stuff now. And the ultimate rule is: if it sounds good, it's good, and that's it. If it sounds good, it's good. Now this
0: is this is music to my ears because there is definitely a theme with my DJing and the types of music that I select. The very first, the very first thing. So let's take on board what we've both said, because I think we're both in agreement there that we can both have the ability to listen to literally fragments of music and go that's good or not. Yeah. For me, the production quality has to be
1: absolutely amazing. Or I'm not in. Learned that over the year. Yeah. Since since the time I've come back, that's that's probably one of the key that is that is probably the key element to it all. Cause if I ever look back at my if if I could rewind the clock back four years, I wouldn't have released music for three and a half years. If I could have done it all over again, because my the quality of where my productions were to where they are now is like chalk and cheese. the The, the irony
0: cl- of the, the irony of that, of course, is n- not just a question about digital. If I hope people listening don't don't like have a go at me for this but there are key classic house tracks of which the production quality is so much better than other tracks yeah it isn't a question of digital versus analog i'll give you three tracks that i'm thinking about right um one is good life yeah the quality of kevin saunderson's music good life is an Unbelievable track, yeah. Alice Limerick, where love lives, oh, is yeah. crystal absolutely. clear, and Gap Decor is Gap Decor passion is absolutely solid still today. So when your ear,
1: I'll throw one in for you, Lauren Go Go Garnier, Man with the Red Face, correct? I mean, just one of my all-time best club tracks. But that, was, that is as that, that, that so good cool, now it? yes, yeah. it is so so
0: you're right if you could like you like you said if you could do it differently you would go in at this level now there is there is also a caveat to that when i first started buying records off beatport when it very first started you could obviously choose the quality wav or mp3 yeah and that was it you got these you always had the choice of wav or mp3 and you downloaded a certain bit rate. Now, obviously, within that framework, you're uploading and downloading music, right? (laughs) So there is loss of sound. However, universally for me, after 2017, music production just went up. And we know, you and I know that is down to software. That's That's down to mastering things and it just knowing rather than moving hundreds of sliders so how do you how much time do you spend based on what we've discussed
1: on mastering something well if you when when i started off that, that first track that i did that circle and frequencies track i spent two months on that producing the sound design everything i didn't i didn't take from somewhere else and do something i produced that 100 percent from scratch that was all my sounds from scratch all the way through and that took me two months i've come into 2023 and now we'll go on a bit more about the recent stuff something something clicked the back end of last year beginning of this year with my productions where i can produce a track or a remix and i'm done and dusted within two to three days and I mean, just doing two and three hour sessions, and I'm done. I've got a I've got a track that's coming out in June, with a couple of remixes on my on my in you label, and that took me two days. And I built everything from that. Totally sound design from scratch. Everything sound design from scratch. So so here's but the here's, the here's, workflow. You work for that's gets. it. That's it. That's
0: what I was going to ask you because i'm in marketing right and i produce graphics and other stuff and there's a creative element to what i've got to do you know i think of the thing and i've got to put it together and what you know what are the bones of it blah 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 but the workflow how you download it what you're sizing it at where you store it where you place it you you kind of
1: like it's like i'm a snob you see when it comes to downloads i'll only download wow right because i'm a snob because i'm a snob I want to hear. I want to hear it as raw right. as as as, <laughs> as I want to hear it as close to how the producer would um, intended it to be. Yeah, I get that. Without the because when you when you're producing the track and like you're saying um, mastering the track, there's some there's some software there that will go the 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 the, the forty four thousand one hundred. <laughs> I'm getting really geeky here, but it's just. Yeah, the, the, you can even do it more than that. You can do it up to 128,000 to get the absolute like crisp, clear, clear class. But everything's done at about 44, 100. That, that's the industry sort of standard. And then when you go down to th- um, 320, which is your MP3 sound, there's there's actually it's part of my mastering mastering chain. I can actually do that. I can actually go. That's what it sounds like as it sounds now with my mastering chain on it. And if I want it. How much do I lose the sound when it goes into MP3? And and you actually, there is actually some of the soul that gets lost. When it gets compressed down to MP3, it, it's you, you're talking. Two percent, but it's the difference between it's the
0: difference, I guess, for people like yourself hanging your hat on this you're producing records right so i would want you to know this i would want you to to go to this level this is what for me it's all about right let's talk about a big name because it's because i think it's it's relevant lost and found guy j it's been interesting the people you've mentioned so far actually d Knox and beckers Mm -hmm. i was buying their records in about 2007 their quality of their productions was sky high. Now, the reason I've mentioned Guy J is because his quality of his sound was like, yes. Now, I've talked about this, I think, on a previous podcast that I did with somebody else, that my brain understands quality of music. And it came from my dad having a really good hi-fi having certain artists on CD on big, expensive hi-fi equipment and hearing it crystal clear. So I've always been a production nut. Now, I'm blowing me on trumpet a little bit here, but one of the comments I've always had about my mixes is that they sound unbelievable. And there's a bloody reason. Because I am mixing MP3s and sometimes WAV, But I want the listener to hear every single bit that the producer wanted you to hear as much as possible. Yes. And my mixing and every part of that mix and all the sounds. So that's the
1: the difference. I think when you've got the. The two two sides to the coin. So you've got the producer and the producer will produce a track. That will want the listener to feel a certain way It's very very very, Everyone's got a different perspective on When they listen to it because everyone's got different ears And different ways of listening And feeling music etc When I look at it from a producer that's what I look at it To to produce a track For an an experience Or I want want it to sound a certain But I want people to dance to it it's got to, it's got to, it's got to have some sort of groove to it and some sort of dance to it when i'm DJing, the mix is just important as the track i'm sure you can relate to that better than better and better than most so i do track which will be the middle bit of the melody and the peak and the you know the, the the breakdown and the drop and when it comes back out for me and it'll be the same for yourself, and it'll be the same for many people listening, listening to the podcast the mix, the transition, is just as important as the track. Because <laughs> you've got to transition through the gears, and you've got to keep people in the floor, and you've got to keep the, the energy. The the, the the DJ is just just as important as the producer. Because the DJ can, and, and you'll, you'll know this, if you wanted to, if you were doing sort of a more of a warm-up set and you're getting it going... You prolong the mixes out a little bit longer. Take the energy out of it a little bit. But well, if you want to start getting people going, your mixes get a little bit shorter. You come in a little bit quicker. You get the energy and the hi hats going a lot. Of, you, you bring them in a lot quicker. So it keeps the energy high. So it's just the the, the the both sides of the coin, for me, there's equal, what's the word I'm looking for? Equal weighting. Equal weighting. Yeah importance yeah complete vital vital to the electronic music scene and that we were talking about sort of genres before and um you probably picked up as we've been speaking a lot i tried to i tried to categorize it as electronic music because it's such a broad it's like a million different genres with a million different subgenres with a million different sounds and the mil- and people releasing on this that it sounds this and it's this and it's that and it's edm it's it's like it's just electronic music, guys. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 that's what it is. It's club music, music to make you dance. You know, I wish beatport. That's the only thing I, when I have a look at the the likes of the beatports and when you when you're trying to look. Oh, he's a progressive house artist. Well, no, he's an electronic music producer. He's an electronic music artist. You know, that, and a lot of them get uh, a lot of the artists that i speak to and stuff like that that they start getting put into a box and start getting put into like little cubby holes oh he's a prog he's a prog house guy that guy he's a techno guy that guy he's this that he's just an electronic music artist you know so so well
0: here's a question then because this is something i've always thought who has where does this categorization come from tell me if i'm wrong i don't know when you are a producer and or label and you're uploading things presumably to beat do you choose where that is categorized therefore yeah. you sort of say what the genre is yeah yeah so yeah this is a really interesting this is this is a massive one i think people are going to really tune their ear into this because right what does genre mean i studied film studies and you have film genres you have film noir horror Sci fi. Uh, Action. Sci fi and comedy. Sci fi. Rom com. Now you've got rom com. Yeah. Yeah. And and what happens is, for me, it changes between now classifying something to market it. To be able to say to the buyer, this is what this is. We're going to make it into little chunks so that you don't have to wade through. But you're but you're right. Like bass house, melodic techno, progressive, um, tech house, deep house, organic house, organic down tempo. At the end of the day, these are categories. But you're right. Richard and I talked about this. He just calls it house music, and 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 I'm I'm with you. Whenever I label you get asked when you do a mix and you you're bouncing it down it always asks you what is it and i always, is the category, I always, yeah. <laughs> I always like electronic because i don't want to say it's this or that i call it electronic so so you obviously have the option to put the genre on it because you want your buyer to be able to understand what it is a bit more easily right
1: yeah 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 it's it's one of the well it's got some old school i think the music that i sign and the music i produce is progressive house but when i'm when i when you're speaking with some of the artists so you're producing the ep you do the cover art a friend of mine rob walberg night bob is his artist name well he helps me out he's our in-house mastering engineer he does all the mastering for the label for me now and that's just a relationship thing built over time and uh, he just said oh can i get involved and um, it was like yeah what what do you want to get involved in and he was just going well i I'm a photographer. I'm, an, I'm a mastering engineer, and I'm a producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. So, what do you want to? What do you want to do? And he just went, I'll master all your tracks. And I went, mate, I, I haven't got a budget. I'm self mastering them all the tracks that are coming in at them. And he went, no, no, I'll do it for free because I just want to be a part of it. I was like, but, but anyway, sorry, we digress a little bit. So when no, I was
0: you gonna were going to say, Gav, you, 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 you must,
1: must have the golden touch, you because everybody's just like there,
0: like. <laughs> But, you know, that's evident to your personality, I guess, as well. Like, we keep saying you can't go away from the fact that a huge part of this industry is not just talent. It is who you are, how you are with other people. If you don't burn bridges, you know, if you are willing to listen, that's a key thing to other people's opinions. You know, it's very easy as an artist or a DJ or whatever to just say, oh, no, I'm only going to play this because... That's what I think is right. You know, very definition of being a DJ is although you're using your ears and you're playing to people's ears, you're not using your eyes to what they're doing to the music to recognise this track doesn't work. This track is, I'm playing this at the wrong time of night. We've all been there where you, where when you're in your early days, you're learning about that energy level. But at the same time, these people reaching out and helping you
1: is is key to building your community around you isn't it massive that, that's that been a massive massive part of the label development but sorry going back to the the categorization um piece so when when you're working with some of the artists and i'll just go right i'm sending you the contract here it is and you've got to put the genre in the contract when you're sending it to the artists for them to to to, to sign the contract before before the release and they send it out and they'll come back and say I, I don't want it as progressive house. I want it melodic techno. You go on. I didn't think I didn't think that was a melodic techno track. If that's what you want to do, then that's fine because that's your brand and if that's important to you. We'll we'll put it as down as melodic techno. Yeah, some guys will come back and just go. I want it under organic house and down tempo. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a prog... So you just it's a, it's it's just. Working with the artists I think is probably one of the most important things of, of, of running the label. It's just like, well, it's your brand as well as mine. But but once you've signed that once you've signed that contract, that is my track. I'm the label owner and that is my news that I'm putting my name to this and then putting it out on a platform for you. Um but you've got to respect you've got to respect the artists and what they want what they want from their brand as well. Um so it's quite a um, symbiotic relationship that you build so over, over the years i've been really really lucky that i've worked with the likes of ultraverse that's released on bedrock soundgarden manual music noise project you know we we, we released some of their early early did a remix for us early early doors nishan lee There's loads loads of others yeah. um loads of others that went on when we would we were um releasing music on you in real. So to people like that.
0: these artists that you're naming may not be names that the people we're, um, that are listening know. I certainly do. One of the things that was interesting when you were pumping this stuff out is that I knew who these people were. I certainly know who they are now. What what happens then when you're a smaller label? Now I'm going to use I'm going to use an analogy here because I think it sort of fits. It's a bit like when I was a kid I supported Man City in the early 90s and late 80s. And what out I, all right in the end didn't
1: Yeah, he did in the <laughs> end.
0: But the thing <laughs> make is they went up and down the d- divisions. Mm. So what what would happen is they'd get a good team they'd all do really well They'd go up to what was the first division and then became the premiership. Those players got bought by other teams. The team then wasn't strong enough and had to go back down. Now, I'm not suggesting your labels going up and down, but this by definition is what happens with talent, right? Yeah. So how do you try and strategize what you're doing with your artists in terms of growing the label, but not imprisoning them into... Something that that stops them growing, yeah, or so enables is, them to release elsewhere.
1: This has definitely been like an evolution, not a revolution, but just a, a, definitely an e- evolution over time. So, like I was saying, back back when we we started it off, people were just sending us demos, just from out the blue, and you were just going, "Actually, it's a pretty good track. That let's, we'll, I'll find a couple of remixes, and we'll get an EP together, and we'll release an EP, we'll release an EP, and, and that's sort of like how it worked. But you, you get it to you get it to a point. Um and last last year, um last year was a tough year. Last year was really tough. Like I was reaching out to people and I this move on. You know, so once they've released on some of the larger labels um that are out there, they don't want to come and release on your label again. I was just a stepping stone to to where they went to. And now they're doing bigger they're doing bigger things, which is which is fine. Um And that's 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 part of the process. So last year was really tough reaching out to people and trying to get people to work with us again. And because we moved on, the diaries were rampacked and they couldn't turn things around fast enough, etc. So
0: is that a knock on effect of the scene being re-instigated by people playing out?
1: So therefore that they weren't at home just I'm going to make tracks. 100%. Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. People's people's that they, they, they were out that they, they were getting gigs, so they're out on the road more. Um, some of the like I say some of the bigger record labels are then offering them um terms that I'd never budget for. So I was just like, I can't match that, that those terms, and it's like, I'm sorry, camp, but I'm so my time's going to be spent doing this because this is where I'm going to make some more money, and I'm releasing on a bigger label. So for my brand, it's going to be better. And that's a sort of a step backward. So I just I stopped I stopped back in the last year and just went right at it. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to a smaller pool of artists, some artists that I want to work with, and try to go like back to the not back to the beginning, but just try to go back to those sort of those principles why I did it in the first place was to was to a release my music on my label. Um, and B, I wanted to reach out and just work with some specific artists that were of a higher caliber and quality. You mentioned the quality, um, the quality piece again, and I was going right. And these is a list of 25 guys that I want to work with, that I respect. I know the music is absolutely top notch, and if I've got to invest a bit in, it, I'll invest it. I'll invest a bit into it, but I want to work with these guys. So, but I, I'd, I'd spoke to them all already anyway. They knew we were. I knew they were. We'd already spoke a few times, and we had a, had a decent relationship with a fair fair few of them. And I just went right next year. I want to work with you. Do you want to work with me? I'll invest a little bit behind the promotion, like the promotion of the tracks. I'll I'll spend a bit more on my own money. If you need an advance, I'll I'll give you a bit of an advance if that helps. And we're working this. year, Some of the some of the guys are working with this year, mate. Are just. Phenomenal guys. Camillo San Clemente. Oh,
0: jelly wow. For,
1: jelly for Babies. Wow. Yeah. Rick Niles. Um, that's just a name, just a few. Dowden. So, oh,
0: um, but listen.
1: This,
0: this, this, is, this is so key to having these conversations with yourself because if, like, you you've been quite honest here, and what I liked about what you said there was. You know, one of my kind of questions, one of my sort of more formal questions was was asking you where you saw yourself in the music industry, where you saw your label playing its part in the industry. And you've kind of answered it by saying a bit of a stepping stone. Yeah. Because we know each other um, personally, you know, we both have jobs. Right. So there's a level at which all people balancing family, kids jobs life and this very passionate intensive scene yeah there has to be a point where you rewind and go what is my purpose now this is like a buzzword amongst self-help books positive productivity but the but a purpose whether it's a company person whatever i've had this realisation at my age we're similar ages right so you go yeah. right what am i doing yeah what's that's exactly what it is. of this because if it no longer quite brings you the enjoyment you want then you have to question why you're doing it at all and i've had lots of sit downs with my wife where she's going what's the matter and i go oh i'm just at a block yeah. I can't work out whether I'm at a crossroads because of technology. Do I not have enough knowledge about the technology? Is it that I'm 45 and my brain has just not got enough hardware drive space to take on even more stuff? Yeah, no, no space, yeah. Or is it because deep down I know that I'm not really enjoying myself and I feel committed to all these projects and people.
1: Last year for me. I don't know how to get out of it. Last year for me was a nightmare. <clears throat> Absolute nightmare. We moved house in February. I broke my leg while I was moving house, was oh, just, yeah. and I just went. Oh, I'm gonna. I'll, I'm working from home. I'm, I'm gonna. I invested in some more stuff in the studio, um better monitors and some hardware synths and, and stuff like that, and um, up, upgraded all my gear. And I just went right. I'm ready now. Let's go. And it didn't matter what I did. I could not produce a track for most of last year and it was that we talk about some of the um, some of the, some of the sort of like the mental health issues and stuff like that that you get and you doubt yourself I'm not good enough this is shit what am I doing it for one what why have I wasted three years of my life when I can't do this I, I, I can I actually do this all those questions a producer when you and and a lot of the a lot of producers that will li- listen listen to this and a lot of the guys I speak to go through horrendous horrendous mental like quite uh, intense mental health pressures about all of those things because it's all about don't get me a lot a lot of the artists and you you'll have come across them in, in your they've all got egos I don't care what anyone say I, I haven't come across one yet that hasn't got a, hasn't got some sort of ego you want to be accepted. want people to like what they produce you you want to be accepted on the bigger label you want to be accepted you want your music to to for for more people to listen to it and you want to grow your brand except i don't care who it is everyone's got an ego but last year was that was that was very very tough i think i was i think i was suffering from a bit of burnout because i was i was releasing and remixing a lot of tracks myself um, on a lot of loads of different labels. I was getting asked, so, can you do this project? Can you do that project? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll just do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I was putting myself into more and more. And we were releasing at one point, we were releasing the track every 10 days. Wow, yeah. Uh, an EP every 10 days, bang, bang, bang. During lockdown, it was like every two weeks, bang, 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 bang. And you just came up and I I had the, used to do the the um, New Residence podcast uh, thing every week. And I, I had to do that. and. I think i just completely burnt out and last year was i've come out the other side of it now thank god but honestly mate last year i was like i can get a groove down got a line going i've got the drums rolling
0: like nothing right, else like, was coming out. like writer's block
1: complete yeah it was um, really tough that.
0: it's 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 interesting because on um so many levels like part of Part of music is to um, give you an emotion. You can put on a piece of music that makes you feel extremely sad. You can put on a piece of music that makes you extremely happy. There's a reason at some point you put a sad song on. Do you want to cry? Do you want to feel a bit depressed? Because otherwise, if your brain didn't work like that, you could just put on a happy song and you'd be happy. When you produce it and make it and listen to it and do it and involved with all these different people and... It can become extremely overwhelming. I, I spoke to somebody the other week. I'm not going to n- name his name. He was at our gig. I he just said, I'm just, uh, I, must, I can't even listen to it. can't even listen to music. I can't even yeah. listen to it. I've, I've, I'm at a total cross. And the first thing I said is, listen, I want you to know you're not alone. And I'm glad that you've said this to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you're in the middle of your own gig. And I went, no, because <laughs> if you didn't say this to me, who can understand it. And I don't say to you that this is normal. And the fact that you're questioning it is exactly the right thing to be doing. Because there are a few people that would have you believe that this is all just magic and never ending. I don't know if you saw it, but um, Sebastian Leisure, one of my absolute favourite producers, yeah. favourite producers, wrote a massive piece about where his head was at. Yeah. And the problem is if people at the top don't admit this, they're not doing anything because there are more people at the bottom and in the middle than there are at the top. You were going idea.
1: through what you've described and absolutely eating their minds. Oh, it's, it, in- I was doing everything else. I mean, I was I was here sat in the studio where we're talking now on my, on my side. And I'm going, I've got all this gear. I've invested all this money in all this gear. I don't even know why I've done it. I don't. I don't have. I, honestly, I was like that. Just going. I, I think I've had enough of this. Now will thank for that. It, it was literally the turn of the year, and I don't. I still don't have a clue what clicked, what changed. Or what? But I was doing everything else. It, if if there was something else to do, if it was watching a YouTube tutorial, or if it was just watching a YouTube video Of bloody Joe Rogan or something like that, if it was anything else apart from music, I was do. I was sat here. With all the gear around us, and I was doing everything else apart from making music. And then something—it was—I was—I was, I, I was trying to put this track together, and um, which is—it's it, it, out now. It's just been released. Morning, morning sax which is my latest release that was released last week. But that was four and a half months in the making. That thing, from scratch, it started off as one thing, and then I was like, "I'm not feeling it. This is shit. I don't like it." Sent it to a few mates. Said, what do you think? They're going, eh, it's all right. And it's not your best work, and I'm just going, oh. getting really frustrated with it. And then one of my uh, one of my pals, he just turned around and said, "Listen, you've got all the bones a bit right, but you just need work on your drums a bit more. Work on the detail." It was very very detailed feedback, very very critical as well. It was brutal, brutal. It was hard, really hard. really hard, hard. Like when you were re- when I was reading it back, I was going, "Oh my god, I've got loads of work to do with this." But I just went, "Do you know what? I'm going to just." invest my time i'm going to drill the detail on this track i'm really going to give it some all and if i can't do this one this is, I'm, I'm out this i've had enough and the um i spent hours on it drilling the de so even all the shakers i mean you won't be a, a normal listener won't know won't really be able to tell the difference but every single shaker that is on that track is at a different velocity everything every single one is at a different velocity to keep it different all the hats are different all the baselines are uh, and each section is different so i really really drilled the detail on it to death and then sent it to a few mates and they just went wow where's this come from and i just went oh hang on a minute is this how you do it and that was it and it just clicked and i went right there's that one done and it it was more like a I don't I don't I don't like to say like the stars align because that sounds a bit fluffy but um things happen for a reason so I am a big believer in things do happen for a reason and I, oh. I wonder whether that's that was part of the journey was to get through that hard bit and then go right I'm going to reach out to these guys these specific guys that I want to work with and I think after I produced that track. I'm now at this level. so now I'm going to go and reach out to these guys, and hopefully they'll let they'll help me push myself on, and I'll get to the next. I think next I think you've
0: stumbled across something really important here. Um, and I'll be really honest with you about something. i um have been very fortunate to obviously know quite a lot of people through DJing and doing all the stuff that I've been doing, progressive House u k. Different stuff, reaching out to people, projects, and a lot of people have put me on record distribution stuff. And and this is me, this isn't a, this is an admission to you. You've signed me up, oh you can get onto my space. I find it very difficult to critique other people's work. Very difficult. If you can imagine some of the conversations we've had just on this, that I'm telling you to the detail that I think about things. I just don't think I would be very helpful to somebody by giving them the critique that I want. Now, there's two things here, though. I work in a creative industry and I'm in marketing. So, a lot of the way my brain works and always has worked is that I want to make something better naturally, whether that's my own skill, a job I work for, a person's business. How they've written something, and at the same time, if that's what I want, I have to therefore take criticism that my work could be better, yeah so so I find it very difficult to say to other artists, sure I don't like that, but I also feel because of the way my brain is is that I don't have enough time to sit down and do them the justice of really probably looking at it. That's what but I that, have to do with demos. yeah, yeah, now, yeah now that's, that's cop costs- out. That's because I have got resident DJs sending me their mix. I've got to write and listen to their mixes and review their stuff. I've got to create the artwork. So it's a time thing. Yeah. And therefore, I've avoided very much a lot of record labels who put me on. And what do you think? I've avoided it and gone, do you know what? I'm going to find my own music, mix my own stuff so that I'm not, entrenching other people again i'm not i'm not interwoven with even more people than i already am and that
1: is about the burnout piece uh, massive Massive. Because, I, I think that's because i used to I used to sit i used to sit here i know we've spoke for a, a while tonight but it's the um took up quite a bit of your time tonight um, And and well you've got to you've got to be a lot disciplined so I, I sat down when it when it all clicked together i sat down with a piece of paper and went right what do i want to achieve what do I actually, what do I want to be as an artist now? Where do I want the label to be? Where Where do I think I can, t- where do I think is the maximum, maximum I can take this to? And how do I get there? I just wrote it down on a piece of paper. Like I said, just wrote it down on a piece of paper and I went, there's 25 artists that I want to work with. I know them, so I'm going to reach out to them now and go, right, you want to work with me? I'm putting a small pool of artists together. I'll invest in you. You come and work with me. And we're, we're gonna build we're, I want to build one of the best progressive house prog, prog house uh, you said, I'd say, I'd say that in brackets um labels on the planet that's what I want to go and do what I'm gonna do this year is that every single one of these releases I'm gonna do a remix on it I am I'm gonna I am going to be on as many of these releases this year as I can physically do which I haven't done before I used to just go and get a original track from an artist reach out to some artists for some remixes one or two remixes maximum put the ep together put it out do it rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and if you have a look through my, my back catalogue there's very very there's not very many remixes that i've actually done on my own label and i'm yeah. going like well hang on what did i get in this for start off with yeah it was to get my own label to get me on so it was just so this this year is going to be this this year i think will be like say say, something clicked fire got back in my belly motivation came back and the work workflow just went from producing a track the the, the the that morning sax track started off and it took me four months before i finished it and now it's just like i've got the template i feel like i'm starting to get my own sound if that makes sense yeah um, it's st- starting to craft starting to craft it and it's like right i know how to do this now and i know how to produce it to a decent level now do it bam 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 I, bloody hell i finished that in two days oh i'm just going to send this off just for a couple of how does this actually sound and does this sound out and the feedback coming back and just the feedback that's been coming back is just like that is phenomenal it's it's weird, isn't it? There's there's two sort of there's two sort of
0: things in my mind here, right? One is when you're in pieces, you you understand the parts that you need to build back to make yourself whole again. You and I both did something at the same time, me with, with, with this Progressive House UK podcast and you with the label, and what we both did was the common mistake of you jump in and you set off. Yeah. Bang! The gun's gone and I'm off. And you get to a point, and I always think, what's the air? I'm on the road to nowhere. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You, you, you're running and your arms are going and your legs are going and you're looking round and you're going, I'm not sure if I'm in a race or yeah. I've just gone on a long run on my own. Yeah. And, and you know, those bits and pieces that are around the floor that you build back up, if you just had that advice at the beginning, which is this is the big irony with my life is that I'm in marketing. I'm supposed to make plans. Yeah. You don't do that with certain things. You just jump in. And it's it's quite heartwarming because one of the questions i would got here was like, what's on the horizon? And, and, and I think if you were going to give somebody advice who's starting out on a record label or even starting out into any part of this scene that you and I are in. We owe it to them now on this podcast to say, sit down and write what your purpose is, what your objectives are and what is a realistic goal that you want to achieve. Because if you don't have them,
1: you will get to a point where you go, what in the hell am I doing this for? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think that's probably that's some of the best advice. I, I did that at the beginning. What do I want to do? Oh, I want to create a record label to release my own music on and, and then I'll build my own profile. And it just grew legs and went off and bloody all up. Don't get me wrong. Enjoyed the journey. Really enjoyed working with all of the artists that we work with. Really enjoyed being part of their artist development as well. It's, it's been, it is very, very rewarding. Well, I wish I just stuck to my principles right at the start. I wish I just went this is what I'm going to do and this one and this this year that's what I've, that's what you look you learn that with experience thing. I'm right yeah. I was still brand new into it and similar to you to yourself Danny and you just turn around and go no I want to be I want to be working with these artists I want to create one of the best frog labels that's out there the capabilities there the platforms there to go and do it and we spent a lot of time building this thing up let's go and do it so this year this year is going to be um i think it's definitely the best lineup i've ever had but we're only going to on the new label we'll only do 15 releases this year that's it i'm not going to do one every two weeks or every 10 days or every seven days i'm not going to go and blitz blitz them just go and select these artists that i want to work with that respect as well quality artists bring them together under under the banner and then let's go and you know create some good music this year so that's the plan for this year I'm feeling pretty good about it, to be fair. Um, good. In a good. In a good spot now. Um, and let's just see how, let's see how this year pans out, mate. But yeah, I've got, for, for some of the stuff I've got coming up, Um, I've got a remix on a Michael A. EP that's due out on the 24th, if I remember rightly. Just check my diary. Right Round about the 20th, back end of this month. Um, and that's with uh, Michael A. original one called Street Noise. It's got a You in Real remix one of my own my own remix as well and that's been getting some great great support so far um um i'm doing some more collab work with andy waldman and so for some of the listeners that don't know that back in 2019 2020 i did a remix and and andy waldman was on my promo list for my label for into records and he reached out to me and he just went is this you and I went, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's me. I produced that track. Uh, I produced that remix. And he went, that's really good. Do you want to do some work together? And I went, yeah, but how, how are we going to do that when you're in Mexico and I'm in the UK? <laughs> Don't worry about it. He said, I'll teach you how to export a project out of your DAW and send it to me and I'll put it into my DAW and we'll just go. And it, that was a really good experience, that in 2020, 2021, uh, back in the 20... 20 and 2021 and um and we released that on bonsai bonsai music amazing Sweet desire and it was just we got got a singer he it, it was missing it was missing something the track was missing something and he said it's missing some vocals and i just went all oh, right okay then well who are you thinking of we can reach out to some vocalists female vocalists, and stuff like that and he went and now the blue he just went oh i've heard this on spotify this lady called ellen uh, um, Ellen and I just went alright okay let's have a listen to this and I went yeah that would be really good for the track it was just like the the voice the sound it wasn't dance music it was more um, more sort of electronica type of stuff that she was doing um, but it would definitely a, a, a voice would definitely fit and I went I'll go and find her and I'll go and ask her and he went how are you going to find her and I just went don't you worry I'll find her <laughs> <laughs> so it was just on social, a bit of social media. Um, what uh, social engineering is what they call it. Don't know where you find out who the artist is and, and spoke to, her and she did the vocals for it, and it was released on there. But we, we, that that was another thing. Like last year, Andy was coming to me and going, "Let's do some more. Let Let's do another collab. Let's go." And I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm not feeling it at the moment." But obviously, we he he looks after the Inu Musica label for us. Right. Um, so that's me and him jointly on that on that label. Um, so he's he kept that going all last year when I was just like I don't, I'm not bothered, <laughs> I'm not really feeling it. And then it's coming into this year and he's going right. You, he he's re, he's released on Lee Burridge's All Day I Dream. It's just yeah. about it's just just about a release on the Sound Garden. And wow. um, and he was just going, do you still want to do some more call And I'm going, mate, you're like you've gone well past. You've gone into the well past May, he was going. No, no, your production, your production standard is actually there, Gav. Let's do some more work. So I'm right. Let's do it. So we're we doing some more of that. Um, the Camillo San Clemente uh, release that we've got coming out in April, May. Um, that's got a K. Lovesky remix, and I'm doing a remix on that called Ice Castle. Um, I've got another Michael A. remix coming out later on this year. Um, and I've got my own ep um there's got a rick niles remix and a jelly for babies remix fingers crossed and just waiting for him to fully confirm that and um, this um, year so it's been a busy start mate yeah busy yeah. start well
0: i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it you know i i wholeheartedly believe in what you're doing the artists that you've mentioned throughout this are artists that i've used for years that i think are at the top of the game camilo michael a there's, there's barely a Michael A record that I don't have. Or <laughs> by him. Uh, Love Sky does fantastic things. and Real has got an amazing take on sound. And I think for a lot of people who maybe didn't know who you were at the beginning of this, will think twice about switching on to the fact that the Northeast, in particular has got some really talented people. And that has a global outlook right because this is the point of this music is that it may not be massive in England but it is on the world stage and I think people often get confused between how global this sound really is it's it is just a shame that there aren't as many people as me and you playing it to UK audiences you know as a final sort of piece as we start to wrap up this you know one of the things that I've found very comforting to hear you talk about so openly is the challenges you've had is the fact that you have the moments that I have where I've just got to stop doing this like why am I doing it am I going to get to the age of 50 and be like what I've been doing for the last 10 years (laughs) but what I would say is that your goal of trying to enjoy who you work with your goal of having artists that make you want to be better the artists that you um want to do work with because of, you know, the very ethos of producing good music is where it should be. My own journey at the moment is quite a happy one. I think I realised that throughout the lockdown, getting offers of DJing in different places, meaning to travel and do stuff was difficult, was not something at my age that I particularly wanted to do. What was it? What was I trying to do? Am I trying to be a DJ? Am I trying to do a podcast? Like what, what do I want? Am I Am I elevating other people? Am I, am I trying to elevate myself? But in terms of what you've said, there was a moment the other week stood next to Richard on the decks at the early doors club with him DJing and me doing the lights, which I've never done I've <laughs> yeah. loved doing the lights in the club. The The joy overrode, everything and i felt it in my heart i was bouncing up and down next to him we couldn't wait to be getting on and off the decks together he's such a dream of a person to work with behind the decks was so calm he's very calm yeah looking at me what the hell is this you're playing and i'm like this I'm looking over his shoulder and going, what the hell is this he playing? <laughs> yeah, we'd had the, a wonderful conversation about the sound design that we wanted pe- to give people because we yeah. are trying to get older clubbers out. And for me, if I can slot in an excellent progressive house record, because it's not, as I say, the only style I play, and that does it, then I am hopefully helping this scene reach people still because without putting that record on the club sound system and playing it on the dance floor, where it's intended, I can't call myself a DJ if I'm not playing in front of people.
1: Honestly, um from the, from the producer side, there's no, nothing better than that. The D- DJ Ruby played um, one of my remixes that came out on Journey Deep at the beginning of the year at the uh, Sky Club in Malta. And that, that's like the premium club in Malta. Uh, uh, And I I know Ruby fairly well. And he supported the label, like, near near enough right from the start, to be fair, he's been a good supporter of the label. And he just tagged us in a post. And you're just going, what's he tagged me in this for? And I just went, hang on, hold on a minute. Hang on, he's just played my track. And when when you see the lights going and people just going, and and arms in the air and just going, yeah, when they drop and they kick back in and everyone's going, yes, and you just went... I sat there and I just went that that that's what it is that's what it's about those moments that is what that's what I'm doing it for that is that is the exact if you could put if you could bottle it up and just go that's what it's about for a producer that was it and and
0: the beauty of this talk the reason for these conversations the reason I'm so happy and thankful that you that you chatted to me tonight is because that moment was your moment for house music without that particular thing happening to you as a clubber you wouldn't be where you were today that feeling is the feeling when the track is just about to
1: kick in and it does (laughs) that feeling is (laughs) wonderful well, you can, you, I can remember going. I can remember going back. And just like stuff like Sasha Expander or Sasha and Emerson Scorchio. It's just those those tracks, those moments with the right people, the right place, the right time. It's all part of the all part of the journey that's led us yeah. to where we are. Well, we're talking today, so yeah, but it's all. All little pieces of the journey mate which, uh,
0: listen Gav, as as we wrap up I want to wish you the best of luck um please please you know keep in touch and update me on things um I definitely will a ad- dare to be a bit of a better friend towards listening to a, a lot of the stuff that you that you send me I think I need some <laughs> time to do that I think to be honest gav as I'm now doing these events and that's probably a real primary thing I am looking for dance floor damages. Oh, which is different, well. which you can appreciate is very different than when you're knocking out mixes. Yeah. When when you're knocking out mixes all the time, you're constantly trying to, you need a lot of records, you want to evolve things, but when you're going to play in front of people, you need the weapons. You can't waste, yeah, you can't waste, <laughs> you you can't waste a single drop. Of, of You've got exactly to, right. Good. So job. Yeah, we'll we'll drop all the links. We'll let everybody know in the posts that we put on social where to find you. And just a massive thanks. I love I love your passion i'm really pleased that you've um you've got back in gear and you've got some really exciting things going on so thanks again mate no, make Brett. sure
1: if you're listening to the podcast make sure you press the subscribe button Correct, <laughs> hit it now hit it now <laughs> yeah. all right thanks no Dad. nice one thanks for your time danny don't no worries